you just got to get into it. It's fun. And, and but and none of the cards are real. Yeah, yeah, it's all online. None of them are real. Huh. No way. Okay, all right. You are freaking me out. I see a hospital room with with two beds. Ooh. Hey, guys, guys, what are you doing? Noah is reading our future. I am freaking out right now. I am freaking out right, right. right. now. It, right? Is is this because the week's episode is on Eric Jan? Honison, um, Hitler's favorite mentalist. Is that why you're doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one knew about my stomach problems and my high cholesterol. And he even told us when we're going to tie. Uh, I'm going to go out and buy that charm right now. How could he have known about my hemorrhoids? So the health insurance physicals came in, huh? Yeah, sure did, Cecil. They sure did. Hello? Oh, hello? Welcome to Citation Needed, <laughs> the podcast where we choose a subject, read a single article about it on Wikipedia, pretend we're experts, because this is the internet. That's how it works now. I'm Tom, and I'll be pulling the rabbit of truth out of the hat of ignorance, but in order to do that, I'll need some lovely assistance, but I don't have any of those, so I'm going to use these guys. <laughs> First up are two men who thought they knew magic at one point in their lives sometime, Noah and Eli. <laughs> Hey, 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 I could make a woman's clothes disappear with tarot cards and palmistry, Tom. When I was 19, that was the only magic trick that mattered. <laughs> Is there a different one that matters now? No, not really. No. I just, I, I can't do it anymore because I'm not 19 anymore. But. I'll show you, Tom. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Cecil, did you put in the lighting, lightning bolt sound effects that I asked for? Oh, I sure did, buddy. You bet. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrifying. Also joining us tonight, two men so excited by magic, you'd think they'd just been paid off by David Blaine. Heath and Cecil. <laughs> We're like black people, but without the crippling fear <laughs> yeah. of magic. It's, it's a yeah. positive. I think that this is unfair. I don't run screaming from magic tricks. I do clappy claps. <laughs> it does. Sure, it is clappy claps. Now, before we saw the lady in two tonight, I'd like to thank our patrons. Without you, this show would disappear like magic, which is to say nobody would notice. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you'd like to learn to join their ranks, be sure to True. stick around till the end of the show. With that out of the way, tell us, Heath. What person, place, thing, concept, phenomenon, or event will we be talking about today? Well, it's Eli's turn, which means we're going to hear about another fucking magician. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's this Eric Jan Hanussen. Hanussen, whatever. Awesome. Uh, Eli, you uh, undoubtedly already knew this story and couldn't be bothered to learn anything <laughs> new. So are you ready to lie as much as Noah will let you? I am, Tom. I am so much. <laughs> I, can, I can tell. That's great. That's great, man. <laughs> Tell us, Eli, who was Eric Jan Hannison? <laughs> I pronounced that Jan Janusson. Eric Jansen. That's good, too. Who was Eric Jansen? He was Hitler's favorite Jewish mind reader. All right. So I'm in charge of the lying limit. <laughs> That's me. Because I, I, I feel like I've got the outro music here on my computer. I do the backup. <laughs> I'm the backup editor guy. Oh, I have just begun, Noah. I have just begun. He gave Hitler speaking lessons, predicted the Reichstag fire, and was killed by the SA. In short, he was great at two thirds of his job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> no problem. All right, fine. Eli, 
gaze into your crystal ball and tell us this story. So born in Vienna on June 2nd in 1889, Jan Hannesen's real name was Erman Erschelheim Steinschneider. Hannesen's father, <laughs> Siegfried Steinschneider, was an actor and caretaker of a synagogue who married Antoine Julie Kohn, a singer in Vienna, Austria. Send your German pronunciation corrections to citationpod at gmail.com. I mean, you choose the subject, Eli. You do this. You can do one about people named Chuck and Dave. No, no, don't, don't give them that advice. This is amazing. Continue, Eli. Continue pronouncing things. I love you. Ignore the haters. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You give me strength. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. So... As a child, Hannesen's parents traveled through Austria and Italy with acting, musical, and pre-vaudevillian troops, taking Hannesen with them. In 1903, he pawned his bar mitzvah watch and joined a traveling circus. Wait, was it pay to play? I don't understand. <laughs> Why? I don't get <laughs> but by 1910, he was writing cabaret jingles and tabloid journalism in Vienna. That's a weird double major. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, inventor of fake news. I knew it was Nazis. I knew it all along. <laughs> it was while researching the secrets of telepathy for an expose on Leo Rubini, a reigning Jewish stage magician, that he discovered he could actually perform Rubini's mentalism tricks better than his subject. So during World War I, Hannesen dazzled audiences with a telepathy and circus show routine. By 1918, he was filling the Vienna Konzentos night after night where he was billed as Europe's greatest clairvoyant. He's just sitting on a shelf next to the world's most effective homeopathic treatment. Yeah, elf on a shelf used to be weird. Yeah. Weirder. Elf weirder. on a shelf used to yeah. be weirder. Weirder. Yeah. Right. But it's CVS. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jan Hannesen was possibly Europe's best-known mind reader by the time he set himself up in Berlin after the war. He opened a private psychic consultation parlor, which was a huge success. His prices were through the roof, further proof that he was Jewish. But Hannesen's <laughs> reputation and his wealthy, famous clients allowed him to charge whatever he wanted. Oh, it's kind of like Halliburton. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> or Stormy Daniels. <laughs> so... Hannesen soon counted among his clients the cultural elite of the city. Among them, singer and stage impresario Leo Slezak, opera great Richard Tauber, film starlet Lillian Harvey, expressionist playwright Ernst Toller, and the up-and-coming Jewish-Hungarian actor Peter Lorre, who listeners will remember from movies like M and Casablanca. Hannesen was rarely seen without a glamorous and beautiful Berliner actress on his arm. So he... Knew all the famous people he could think of. What are the odds? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hannesen became a multi-millionaire in Germany in the 1930s. So super duper rich in today's money. But just like upper middle class for a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure his mother always reminded him that like her sister's son was a doctor whenever he visited. There's no question. <laughs> so with his new wealth, he bought an abandoned sanatorium where he offered a variety of occult <laughs> services, including a hormonal cream, which he invented to increase male virility and female desire. Oh, that's the same cream Bill Cosby puts in coffee. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 he had several fancy cars, seven apartments, and the largest yacht in Berlin, which he named the Ursel Four. Okay. And he traveled with no less than six armed bodyguards. Four wouldn't be in a German accent. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Four. 
<laughs> Carl, you and, you and Hans fight to the death like good bodyguards. <laughs> right? I mean, what else do you do with them? Yeah, right? Yeah. No, exactly, because you're clairvoyant. Right? I mean, if a clairvoyant got in trouble, couldn't he just not have been there then? <laughs> two fucking bodyguards beside him. It's like, man, that's kind of a dead giveaway, bro. Yeah. <laughs> He's clearly wasting these bodyguards by not having them play gladiator. So it's fine. Like what other wasted opportunities did he have? Well, here's a quote from Mel Gordon's article, Hitler's Jewish psychic quote. Hodgson's yacht was the scene of lavish feasts where drugs were offered that even sophisticated Berliners who were quite familiar with the enchantments of cocaine didn't know about naked women and exotic young boys performed shocking reviews. Sometimes after midnight, Hanneson demonstrated one of his specialties, his ability to hypnotize women into sexual frenzy and then sustained orgasm. Nah, fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> Even for a Berlin accustomed to debauched nighttime displays, Hanneson was considered phenomenal, over the top, end quote. <laughs> Some dude full of coke volunteers for the orgasm trick. It's just like four hours of grunting and dry disappointment. <laughs> I love that one of his magic tricks was making a woman come. <laughs> it's like a snooty guy sitting in the audience. There's obviously a battery inside the dildo. That's where you put it. <laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly much more interested in sleight of hand because I, here I was trying sleight of finger the whole time. Yes. Yeah, no. No, I'm never going to do it. You need to find the right girl and do sleight of fist. That's the, <laughs> that's the key. So in 1931, Jan Hannesen purchases a Breslau printing company and launches an occult journal called Hannesen Magazine. Nope. In addition to horoscopes... And a little France. <laughs> I don't know how to do a German so accent mean. with the word magazine. <laughs> Makasai. I ain't gonna study. I'm a magazine. Yeah, it just comes out Japanese. I don't know why. Magazine. All right. Anyways, in addition to horoscopes, psychic advice, and occult tips, subscribers to Hanasan Makasan were allowed to apply for memberships in the secretive Hanasan Society, where they would buy tickets to Hanasan's show at a steep discount, join clairvoyant workshops and groups associated with the magazine, and maybe, just maybe, get an invitation by Jan Hanasan himself to one of those sexy boat parties. At its peak, Hanasan Makasan had hundreds. <laughs> of thousands of subscribers or as we like to call it 29 and a half citation needed <laughs> so they probably had similar cover art to skeptic magazine actually <laughs> skeptic magazine is that the one that just says weinstein weinstein uber alice is that, <laughs> yeah. is that one? but see jan hannison had a problem even though he was rich and famous like all magicians nobody respected him i mean think about it how many seconds could you hang around david blaine before you would make fun of him zero zero yeah. seconds in the, uh, zero <laughs> what is there a I less know. than zero if i knew i was hanging out with him like tomorrow i would start in advance yeah. to right. get and revved we'll wait up, is what i mean and i've hung out with david blaine it takes zero seconds trust me okay well that's a weird name drop david blaine you want to tell us about your good friend gallagher next okay all right Hurtful, but fair. Hurtful, but fair. So on top of the fact that he was a magician, his magazine was about how to cure your warts with magnets and make your wife come by hypnotizing her. But he wanted to be known as an... <laughs> See? Exactly. But he it wanted to be known... <laughs> but he wanted to be known as an intellectual, an influencer, a kingmaker. 
So on March 25th, 1932, Honison issued his first ever electoral premonition. And spoiler alert, it goes better for him than it did Nate Silver. Just <laughs> except, in this, except in this case, 538 is the temperature you have to get the ovens up. To. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. The headline in the magazine read, Honison in trance predicts Hitler's future. So in it, Honison claimed that Adolf Hitler, who you have to remember at the time was still a house painter without German citizenship papers, would not only be appointed Reich Chancellor in exactly one year's time, but it, that it would be Hitler's greatest enemies that would elect him. Jill Stein? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> now, I should clarify again that in 1932, this was an absolutely batshit insane prediction. I mean, most people thought Hitler was a nut job who was way too obsessed with Jews. He was pitching a racist pseudoscience to his band of ever diminishing thugs and supporters. And it was even rumored that his own party planned to oust him before the election. Are we sure Jan Hannesen was talking about their election? I need a minute. I need a minute. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Eli. Eli, what? Relax. While Eli breathes into a paper bag, we're going to take a quick break for everyone's favorite use of the interstitial music, apropos of nothing. Hi, man. My baby boy. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Ah, so thin. Are they feeding you in Berlin? Mom, stop. Leave the boy alone. He'll eat when he eats. So tell me, how's business? How's business? Good, good. Quite a few people are subscribing to the magazine now. It's doing well. Oh, that reminds me. You know who signed up for your little magazine? Fanny Frazier. You should write her a thank you card okay, and then well, call I, her. I mean, Mom, we, we have like 200,000 people. It's never it's not, a bad uh, idea to say thank you. Oh, cool. Never. Thank no, you. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, any exciting new clients? Um, yeah, actually, uh, Peter Lorre, uh, mm -hmm. some authors, uh, oh. Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler? The fellow that wants to kill us all? Hermann Herschel Chaim Steinschneider. Guys, no, Adolf really isn't that bad. Oh, it's Adolf now, because you're friends with this putz. <gasps> I mean, kinda, it's not. I well, need to not. sit down. My heart. Is breaking. Mom. My own don't. son no. cohorting with the man that would seek to kill the Jews. Dad, seriously? And for what? For how much money do you sell out your own people? I make like a thousand bucks a week. Oh, well then. That's my boy. Okay, I'm going to go make you some soup. I'm fine, Mom. I'm fine. Soup, race trader. That's great. We're just going to let that hate mail from our listener roll in. <laughs> that now. was Eli doing all of now our voices. Eli's He's allowed to say all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and now that Eli has thrown up twice out of panic, I think we're ready to get back into our story. Into our story. Eli, uh, you feeling better? Uh, to find better. No. All right. Very well. <laughs> Show must go on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'd, uh, we'd really hate to disappoint that listener. Thanks, so. Eli's mom. Thank you. My <laughs> <laughs> mom. I'll, I'll eat your soup. Yeah. So, like I said before the break, everybody thought Hannesen's prediction was total bullshit. Everybody except for Hitler and the Nazis. See, like Hannesen, Adolf Hitler was obsessed with the occult and based much of his ideas about the Aryan race and the Ubermensch on southern German folk superstitions. He was also really into magic eight balls, like shake it. 
Will I kill all the Jews? Huh. Concentrate and ask again. (laughs) (laughs) That's an actual answer for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I, want to be super clear here because of the proximity. Uh, Basing much of their ideas on folk superstition is the only similarity between Eli's mom and Hitler. Other than that, they're completely different people. Right. So the Nazi press ran with the story of Hannesen's premonition under the headline, Hannesen, the man who is never wrong. And while Hitler lost the next presidential election by six million votes, as we know, that doesn't fucking matter for how shit turns out. And Hannesen was welcomed with open arms into the Nazi fold. And Hitler would have won if there were three million illegal Jewish votes. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why you need an electoral college. Otherwise, Nazis have no chance. There's too much anti-Nazi urban bias. It's not fair. Wait a second. Wait a second. You can have a crazy, racist, unqualified underdog win in a country without an electoral college? Facebook done lied to me, y'all. We we might have a different problem on our hands. So in June of 1932, Wolf Herldorf, a Nazi official and regular at Hannesen's yacht parties, offered to introduce him to Hitler, who'd been meaning to thank him for the prediction anyway. So Hannesen is obviously over the moon, gives a huge donation to the SA fund, and perhaps more importantly, paid off some of Herldorf's more embarrassing debts. Oh. Okay, so Girls Gone Wild kept sending him tapes because he didn't turn off the auto pay and he thought they were sending free ones and he kept getting them and had a giant embarrassing box of them that he just couldn't throw out. So he hit him at his parents' house, but they found the box and now they tell that story every time they meet a girlfriend. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, Yeah, that reminds me. I think I'm still signed up with that credit card I swiped from my dad. So... I got to find where those boxes are going. (laughs) And a VCR. (laughs) So Hitler and Hannesen get along like gangbusters. So well, in fact, that they were nicknamed by friends and family, the two H's. They were born just 43 days apart, which Hannesen assured Hitler had great significance and tied their fates with blood magic. Remember that. It's going to come back later. They came from similar backgrounds. Both were neglected and ran away to Vienna where they wanted to be artists. They both loved amusement parks and they even served in the same position on the same side in World War One. The same position. They both loved reverse cowgirls. <laughs> Wait, that, that is the position you're referring to, right? That's men of their words. So there was one little problem with their budding bromance. Hitler wasn't a huge fan of Jews, huh. but he didn't know that Hannesen was Jewish. Hannesen told everyone he was the son of an aristocratic Danish family, a lie that was only complicated slightly by the fact that he didn't know any Danish. <laughs> So by the summer of 1932, Hitler met with Hannesen weekly. He charted his horoscope, gave him voice and speech lessons, and in exchange, Hitler promised him power and the directorship of the Aryan College of the Occult Arts when it opened. Yeah, and he was going to make him head Quidditch coach, too. He really wanted care of Jewish creatures, but that position was taken. But see, see, unlike today, in 1932, palling around with Nazis got you in trouble. Now it makes you a classical liberal. So the the communist press went after Hannesen in a huge way. He was so worried about a plot on his life that he actually replaced his bodyguards with SA out of fear and began to incorporate Nazi symbols into his magazine so that his alliances were clear. 
However, it wasn't long until his secret got out. Remember all those actresses and sexy boat parties? Well, some of the ladies present couldn't keep to themselves that the so-called Aryan prophet had a circumcised penis. Wait a minute. I'm a Jew. Where's my fucking money at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Cecil, Cecil, you're not a Jew. They just nip the tips. So it would look better and women would still blow you. No. I mean, it's a weird <laughs> thank you card you're going to have to get for your mom now. <laughs> Some Nazi actress pulls a fake foreskin off his dick like it's a mask at the end of Scooby Doo. <laughs> it was old man Jew. <laughs> Either way, on August 14th, an expose of Hanneson's origins ran in a popular communist paper. In addition, the editor of that paper sent a personal letter to Joseph Goebbels stating that Hanneson was a full blooded Jew, the nephew of a rabbi, which Goebbels reprinted in his paper, Dear Angriff where Hanneson was described as a Czech Jew. Yeah, soon to be canceled Czech Jew. And after they throw him out of the party, he'll be a bounce Czech. (laughs) (laughs) So this comes out. Count Heldorf, who at this time was the head of Berlin's SA, is terrified by the news. Not only had he introduced this Jew to Hitler, but he let him pay off his debts and everybody knew it. So he runs, he visits Hanneson's private office where Hanneson stuck to his story, said that he was a Danish noble, but after his parents had died in a mountain climbing accident, he'd been adopted by a Jewish couple in a nearby village. No, I'm like Tarzan, but with Jews. I'm like the Jew Tarzan. Man, those are way different stories, right? Just keeps going to Africa, getting stuck on the toilet for six days. You're like, well, fuck, we're going to have to. Okay, all right, all right. But but I feel like that's standard for Africa, right? Shit old countries, am I right? Then Hanneson shows Heldorf a forged adoption papers, which Heldorf shows to Goebbels, who didn't buy it, but issued a retraction in his paper anyway. The problem with this was that Jan Hanneson had just trapped himself. See, against all odds, Hitler was rising in power. Hanneson's Jewish staff and crew were getting the fuck out of Berlin. They were changing their bank accounts to Swiss ones and leaving the country. But Hanneson was now stuck in his lie and couldn't get away. (laughs) It's got to be an awkward line at the Swiss bank. Just a bunch of Jews with all their luggage and then Nazi officers with big bricks of gold. They're just like pretending to ignore each other. (laughs) You guys bank here too? That really does sound awkward and... You know, avoiding awkward situations is what World War II is really all about. So <laughs> what are Hoddison's do? <laughs> so things wouldn't get weird, you know? Well, Tom, he doubled the fuck down. He, buyed a, he bought a mansion right in the middle of Berlin, converted it to a brand new venue called the Palace of the Occult. And then on January 30th, 1933, Jan Hannesen's prediction comes true. Hitler is made Reich Chancellor of Germany by none other than his greatest enemy, President Hindenburg himself, a name that would forever be associated with bad fucking decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, if we filled that blip with venomous scorpions, it wouldn't float, okay? We did the best we could. (laughs) Now, as the history buffs in our audience will know, the communists were not... Not happy about this and took to the streets in protest. So the Nazis came up with a secret plan to frame them with an exaggerated act of violence to cement their power and make it seem like the violence was on both sides. Cecil, tell me you see it. You see it, right? Sweet Cecil. Sweet, sweet Cecil. Look, you see violence. I see fine people on both sides. Fine people. Two in a row with the presidential retweets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At least the voter turnout was nice and high, 1933. It's like 89% of Germany. 
And of all the third party votes, went to Otto Wells, the second place guy. He beats Hitler. <laughs> Jill Stein voters are exactly the same as Nazis. <laughs> exactly the same. So for those out of the loop, I'm talking about the Reichstag fire. Okay, am I the only one that feels like we're veering way the fuck off subject here? I feel like this ends 16 hours from now with you talking about piles of bones picked clean by birds and pronouncing again like it has a bunch of E's in it. <laughs> yeah, okay, Eli, you're losing Noah. You're losing Noah. You're losing Noah. All right, that's not easy to do. What did JonBenet Ramsey do next? I just... <laughs> well, I'm not allowed to do that one, so I'm doing this one. All right. So rumors abound that in order to cement himself in Hitler's good graces, Hanussen not only comes up with the plan to burn down the Reichstag and frame a communist, but finds and hypnotizes Maranu van der Lubbe to make him do it. These rumors, by the way, are almost certainly not true. Oh, are we hedging with almost, Eli? <laughs> throw that almost in there. Are we keeping the almost, huh? Yeah, sure. Next thing Eli's going to say... That hypnotism porn isn't real either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting very sleepy. You will have a female orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> So it's much more likely that the SA did it, blamed Vanderlub, who was a drifter and mentally impaired, but Hanneson definitely knew about the plot, and that would be his undoing. How? How? I'll tell you. So, <laughs> the Wikipedia does not do this part of the story justice at all. But Mel Gordon's book, which I had already read before this episode, Hanneson, Hitler's Jewish Clairvoyant, does. Gee, I wonder why Wikipedia leaves this part out, Eli. <laughs> the night before the Reichstag fire. Stop talking like you're, you're saying real things. Just, go, just talk normal like things. we know you're lying. Do you want to argue with Mel Gordon? Mel Go- <laughs> Mr. Doctor? Mel Gordon? Of law? Of the law. night before the Reichstag fire, Hanneson holds a seance at his Palace of the Occult. <laughs> exclusively for a slew of invited reporters and the elite of Germany, which includes his good friend Heldorf. He hypnotizes people, he tells some horoscopes, moves some shit, but he concludes the evening with a series of personal readings. And when he gets to Heldorf, he stops. He pauses for what seems like an eternity, and he says, I see a great house engulfed in flame. And then he moves on. Heldorf doesn't move or say a word for the rest of the night. Do you have a flashlight on your face as you're telling us this part? It gets so much worse. You are not ready. <laughs> Just like when we canceled Jade Helm right after Alex Jones called it. Yeah, very Was your card the burning down the Reichstag building tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Then the Reichstag fire broke out 20 hours later. Vanderloop is caught and confesses. Hitler used the fire to outlaw the Communist Party and then in 1933 issues a series of laws with the same excuse that would cement his power and give birth to the Third Reich as we yeah, know it. And that birth was something. They had to force labor. Oh, so, oh no. This, oh no. A tough one. No. Yeah. Well, no. Did. Yeah. Um, now, Eli, can I just pause for a moment and point out that you are now sharing a story about how a magical Jew is kind of responsible for the Third Reich. Okay. You know all right, that, all right. right. We got to move on. Move away from that question. Nobody pay attention Thank to that you. question. 
What happens not to Hagen? What happens? <laughs> As you can imagine, Heldorf is not pleased with the stunt. Goebbels is already pissed off at him because he made him print a retraction. He thinks he's a Jew. Quite a few people in the essay owe him money. And on top of all that, there are rumors that Hannesen has been filming Nazi orgies on his boat. Wait, rumors? Can you make a camera from 1933 hidden? Right? <laughs> Why is that little person sitting in your hat turning a crown? <laughs> No, it's not then. It's not exactly. then. Just keep doing the fuck party with the coke. Cool. <laughs> exactly. So on March 24th, a squad of SA men show up and arrest Honison in his apartment. A few hours later, he was executed with a bullet to the head because they always kill our angels, Tom. <laughs> they always kill our angels. You made this a weird episode, man. Right? <laughs> I did. I did. But I have one last piece to add that is almost certainly a lie, but it is too good not Again to Again with the almost. <laughs> Again with the almost here. Okay, so those who remember my Chung Ling Su episode will remember Christopher Milborn. Oh. Christopher Milborn wrote The Illustrated History of Magic, and in an ending so obviously bullshit that it was actually removed from later editions <laughs> of The Illustrated History of Magic, <laughs> this is the story of Hanneson's execution. So... Like many during the rise of the Nazi, Hanneson was actually forced to shoot himself to make it look like a suicide, so the SA wouldn't have to investigate the murder. And the story goes that the Fuhrer was so offended that his former friend had lied to him about being a Jew and possibly blackmailed his officers and nearly undone his plot that he attended Hanneson's execution himself. It's nice to have a friend to share special moments with. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So at this point, Hanneson has been tortured for hours. He's confessed to everything. He's led bloodily out into this courtyard near this forest where Hitler himself is waiting. Hoping for mercy, Hanneson begs his old friend and student to spare him. But instead, Hitler hands him a pistol with a single bullet. <laughs> Please tell me he asks for three bullets and goes deer hunter on <laughs> <laughs> nobody catches him in his teeth yeah. <laughs> it's all better than that so according to the story Hanneson looks down at the gun touches his own blood touches Hitler's hand and quotes Hebrews 10.30 it is mine to avenge I will repay he then shoots himself and this is important on the left side of his head because Hanneson is left handed but Hitler is not a dumb fucking story. What? Why wait for the afterlife for revenge? You literally have a loaded gun in your hand. I don't get the <laughs> shit. He's right in you. I will tell you because exactly, <laughs> and this is true, okay. exactly 12 years, one month, and 13 oh, days later, God. almost exactly the difference in their wait, birthdays. Almost exact? Almost. It's almost Remember? exactly. Is it blood, near? Blood what? magic. Nearly exactly. Somewhat close. Bound it's by close blood really magic. Perfect. Off by a couple days, you shut your whores, you shut your whore mouths. You don't know. Almost exactly the difference in their birthdays. Adolf Hitler shoots Nearly himself. mostly. Adolf Hitler, the head of the Nazis, shoots himself in a bunker with one odd detail out of place. Adolf Hitler shot himself on the left side of his head. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Uh, Ava Braun's granddaughter is Courtney Love. So. <laughs> all, all fits Another cool fact, if you stand in a dark washroom and chant bloody Hitler five times, you'll see the Republican logo form on the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you had to summarize what you've learned in one sentence, what would it be? Uh, kill n- 
March in 2020. <laughs> no, ah, Jesus. How about something that Cecil won't have to beep out because it's a felony? Uh, uh, Jesus. Don't shoot the messenger <laughs> of God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Eli, uh, after this is all over, people are going to go scour Pornhub for the porn that Eric Jan Hanusen filmed on his boat. When, uh, when it was released by Brazzers, it was under this name. A. <laughs> Up her axis, featuring <laughs> Juden showers. Up her axis. B. Up her axis. Land war in Asia Carrera. <laughs> C. Klitzkrieg. Excellent. That's excellent. Yes. Or D. Hot ghetto chicks four, starring gas chambers. Ooh. And C. Klitzkrieg. Oh. Klitzkrieg. <laughs> That's more attention paid to the clip than any porn I've ever seen. <laughs> All right. So what are some early warning signs that the magazine that you're subscribing to has started aligning with the Nazis? A, the solution to last month's crossword puzzle is noted as being final for some reason. Oh. <laughs> B, it buys Stormy Daniel's story before the election and then never runs it. <laughs> why, would, why would I do that? <laughs> C, there's a recipe in it that just says preheat oven to 800 degrees and then, you know, have it ready. <laughs> or is it D, it invades Poland? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with B, it buys Stormy Daniel's story before the election but doesn't run it. Yeah, no, you're wrong, I guess, because I went last. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Noah, you stumped Eli first. You get to take over as host next week, and you get to choose the essayist. Well, you know, he was just telling me the other day that he has so much extra free time. I'm going to go ahead and hand that honor to Heath. Yay. All right. Well, Heath, it is. Bet the story's less full of shit. So <laughs> before we go, I'll toss it over to Sarah for last week's Twitter answer and this week's Twitter question. Thanks, Tom. Last week's assignment was write a haiku about Charles Ponzi. And the best one came from Benjamin Durham on Twitter. I stole your money, but I can get it all back. Two words, Mary Kay. This week's question is, who is Trump's favorite magician and why? Just retweet or Facebook share this episode with your answer for a chance to be next week's winner. Back to you, Tom. All right. Well, for Eli, Noah, Cecil and Heath, I'm Tom. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We'll be back next week. By then, Heath will be an expert on something else. Between now and then, if you'd like to hear two best friends laugh in the face of all that is foolish, you can listen to Cecil and I over Cognitive Distance. And if you'd like to hear all that is foolish laugh in the face of three best friends, check out God Awful Movies, <laughs> The Scathing Atheist, The Skeptocrat, or be the very first person to care about Eli's blogs. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to help keep this show going, you can make a per-episode donation to patreon.com slash citation pod or leave us a five-star review everywhere you can. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, check out past episodes, connect with us on social media, or check the show notes, be sure to check out citationpod.com. And remember, nothing says love like a series of heartfelt apologies. <laughs>
colorful. Look, I like a good story. And if that means that occasionally. I thought, okay, okay, I thought so. I will repay. Ooga booga, you too, buddy. Ooga booga, you too.